G'day everyone, I am Mike. And I'm Sam. And this is The Extras. Mm. Hey Sam, you've been working hard in Matthew for us. In fact, lots of people have been working hard in Matthew, which is great. Thanks for everyone who's reading it and studying yeah. it and asking good questions. Hey, uh, if we were away on Sunday, what did we miss from Matthew 7? Yep, we were in the first half of Matthew 7, um, looking at verses 1 to 12, and sort of two big sort of sections to it. The first section is about... Uh, a big warning from Jesus uh, not to judge, um, to recognize that just like we bring nothing to the table as poor in spirit people, so does everyone else. And so instead of fault finding with others, um, yeah, repent of your own sins, I think is Jesus' uh, kind of call to us there. And yet there's a call not to be undiscerning with that tricky little section on pearls to peace. Um, <laughs> we got a few questions about that, mate. A couple of questions about that. Yeah, funny enough. Um, and then sort of... Seven verses, um, chapter seven, verses seven to eleven, sort of mark the the end of the body of the Sermon on the Mount. We've got a conclusion right. to come, nice. uh, and Jesus kind of wraps it all up by saying, yeah. "This is the the law and the prophets," and and, and sort of having surveyed the um, the remarkably high standards that Jesus sets for a disciple. Um, the question is sort of like, how could I possibly do for others what I want them to do for me? How, how could I ever pull that off? And the answer that Jesus gives is persistent prayer. Keep nice. asking, keep searching, keep knocking, and it will be given to you. So there's a real comfort at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, because the Sermon on the Mount can leave you shattered. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. In that it's such a, a high bar, a, a righteousness greater than the, the Pharisee and the teacher of the law. Um, and yet there's a, there's a comfort and a promise that God will actually work in you, which is sort of set up, we, we've covered that it's now we're living in the age of the Spirit and the, the, the Spirit of God living in us that makes us want to be holy and want to obey God's law. And now there's a, a, a urging from Jesus, pray for it and pray that God would change you from the inside out. Yeah, helpful, mate. Thank you very much. Hey, um, <clears throat> you said some really helpful things about what judging is and the mm. way we can use that word differently. Um but there is an implication from verse 2 that uh, we who are God's people will actually be judged ultimately. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so how does that fit with the fact that we're saved by grace and yet the implication seems to be we'll also be judged? What sort of judgment do Christians face? Okay, well, there's, there's a couple of questions. There's two questions I want to answer, even though you've just given me one. Yeah. Um, one is the question, what kind of judgment do Christians face? We can yeah. definitely think through that. Yeah. Um, but also the, the, the second question to follow that up with is, is that what Jesus is talking about here? Nice. Is he talking about a, a Christian judgment nice. here? Um, and my hunch is I, I don't actually think he is. Okay. Um, so um, I'll maybe I'll answer the second one first okay. and then we'll, yep. then we'll go back and talk about Helpful. Yeah, what, what kind of judgment a Christian might face. Uh, what is Jesus talking about here? I don't think he's talking about what's going to happen to you on the last day. I think he's warning you that if you treat others based on their merits, um, you're actually demonstrating perhaps that you don't get the whole poor in spirit thing, uh, that you, you don't realize that the kingdom is all by grace because you're looking around judging others thinking, well, they're not half as good as me. They don't bring to the table what I bring to the table. Right. Um, I'm better than them. And it's that, yeah. I was talking on Sunday about shortcutting our way to righteousness, but it's not real righteousness. It's yes. just feeling righteous. Rule. Yeah, self-righteousness. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is saying, if that is the mark of your life, that, that what you do is look around and judge others as not as good as you, then it's a good chance uh, that perhaps you haven't got the whole poor in spirit thing and then um, God will judge you. you you're, you're, you've actually 
effectively um, demonstrate that you're outside of grace. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So it's a a real warning. Yeah. Um, Do not exclude yourself from grace uh, by your judgmentalism of others. Uh, Rather, as you are poor in spirit, you've got to come with an empty hand. You've got to recognize that the guy in the seat next to you, the girl in the seat next to you, she, he, uh, are just as much a sinner as you are. We all come broken and needy and we all need grace. And so we need to be gracious with one another. Okay, so that's primarily what verse. Oh, I think two that's is primarily about. what verse yeah. two is talking about. Can we uh, have a go at the question though? Do, yes. Do are Christians judged? I take it that there, there there seems to be. If you look at the the biblical evidence, and I might pick on your brain because you've done the work in Revelation, um, and I think that Revelation is a helpful place uh, to look at, um, where there seems to be two things happening at, at the final moment. On yes. the one hand, there is a judgment according to works. Yes. And I take it that no matter who you are in Christ or out of Christ on the on the day that you die or the Christ returns you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and everything will be laid bare yes for what it is yes. um, all your sin all your wickedness uh, as, but as well as if you're a Christian your righteousness yeah. and the things that you've done empowered by the spirit of God um, that will all be made known before the judgment seat of Christ but that for the Christian is not the basis of their salvation. Nice. Um, there's the second book, and there's the book of judgment, yep. Yep. Um, but there's also the second book uh, of the book of life, and is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Uh, but you perhaps have some more wisdom on that, Mike, than I do. Yeah, and so those who are in the book of life are those who are saved by grace, saved by Christ, uh, alone. There's nothing we can do to save us. And yet, our life does matter here on earth. Uh, and so God actually takes seriously the way we live out that life in Christ, that life of grace. And uh, the way that we live that out is by loving God and loving people and serving people and sharing the gospel. And all those things God's noticing and God will reward on the last day. Mm. Um, but the, uh, the sin is completely dealt with uh, by Christ. Isn't that fantastic? Mm. Um, and so, yes, we are saved by grace. Yes, there will be judgment. Um, yes, uh, our life now matters, and God's watching, and God will reward uh, life's, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the image, um, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's a wonderful image, you know, to yeah. think that God would say that of me, <laughs> mm. despite my sin and everything that I actually really deserve, which is judgment. Yeah. God may, I, I pray, I hope, would say to me on the end, uh, on the last day, well done, good and faithful servant. That's mm. what I want to live for. Yeah. And there's something lovely about the picture of a relationship that is behind that idea, isn't there? In that um, just as a father can say to a child, well done, them, them saying to their child doesn't make that child any more their child. <laughs> they're, mm. they're their child because they're their child. But they can either look at their child and say, oh, you've done it wrong and I'm frustrated you need to be corrected. <laughs> Or, well done, you got that spot on and and, the, and sometimes that, that's a helpful image to, to recognise what the nature of that moment will be like with our Heavenly Father. We're not brought into the kingdom by doing well so that God says, oh, well done, you, you made it in, well done you. Yeah. Uh, no, you are the child of God, but that's by grace through the death of Christ on your behalf. And then as a child, um, in the basis, in the context of a relationship, God will say, well done to those who uh, are living to please Him and honour Him. Yeah, so if you take that image a little bit further, I guess there's a way that we can live that either pleases God as our Father or in some sense displeases or doesn't bring Him as much joy. or Yeah. Know. And so we want to live, obviously, to please That's right. So sin and conversely righteousness in the life of the believer, although they perhaps won't change the, the ultimate 
destination for the believer because that's nice. by mercy and by grace through, yeah. the, through the work of Christ. Yeah. They're not insignificant yeah, either. That's and, right. And so they they are, and so living righteously as a as a believer matters. Yeah. That's exactly We right. don't want cheap grace where we say, yeah, it's fine, yeah. I'm good, I'm in, yeah. so I'm just going to do whatever I want. That'd be like saying, well, I'm part of the family, but I don't care what anyone else here thinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Now, you mentioned sin, mate. There, there was a kind of a, an extra part to this question that kind mm. of comes out of um, verse 2, which is, uh, does God see all sin as the same? Or, you know, does God see some sins differently to others? Yeah, um, the answer is yes and no. <laughs> um, isn't that nice? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Love that answer. <laughs> is all sin the same? Well, in in as much as all sin deserves death, because all sin is committed against the most holy and righteous God, then yes, at that level, all sin is the same. Yep. Um, it's an offence against God, and yep. just by nature of being an offence against God, a rebellion against the King, it, it is of an equal um, value by because of that. Um, and yet, there seems to be throughout Scripture that under that banner of all sin is deserving of death, um, the Scripture teach, teaches that different things um, are, are viewed differently. Yeah. Um, 1 Corinthians 6 jumps to mind um, where Paul's talking about sexual sin and, and he writes in 6.18 every other sin is committed outside your body but sexual immorality is particularly heinous because it's, it, it's a sin against the body and why is that an issue? Because the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit where God himself resides and so don't so, so he seems to make a gradation yeah. between all the sins outside the body and the sin in the body okay yeah but that's an example. Yeah, uh, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what else to say on that, but I think that's the right answer, a good answer mm. to say it's no. a yes and no. Yeah. All sin is the same, and yet the Bible does seem to speak about yeah. specific sins in specific ways. Jesus does it again in Matthew 18 um, when he's talking about little children and uh, brings a little kid in front of him and he says, um, you know, receive the kingdom like this little child. But then he goes on on the other hand he says but whoever causes the downfall of one of these little ones it would be better for him if a he- heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he would drown in the depths of the sea woe to the world because of such offences uh, it, it seems to be that there, there's a particular issue that Jesus is noting about leading a little child astray um, mm. that is seemingly more more problematic uh, of, of worse consequence yeah okay yeah. thank you mate okay Let's go to uh, verse 6, yeah. uh, which is the whole kind of pearls before swine or pigs. Um, and uh, you very helpfully said on Sunday that this is all about, <laughs> ironically within the context of don't be judgmental, mm. also don't be um, undiscerning. That was so, my word. That yep. was undiscerning. Um, and so you made the point that uh, perhaps verse 6 is talking about you know, in hostile situations, perhaps we do make a call to say this is not the time to share the gospel, being the pearl, yep. um, with a with a hostile crowd. Yep. Now, lots of questions came from that, mate. Yep. Let, me, let me just throw a few at you. Yep. Um, 
hang on, what about the, the role of the Holy Spirit? Surely he can change even the most hostile, think the Apostle Paul. Yep. Um, secondly, we don't know people's hearts, so yep. you know, do we really know how hostile they are? Yep. Um, what about the power of prayer? You know, are you saying we don't pray for these people? Yep. Um, and look, weren't we all hostile? Yep. Uh, you know, we're all enemies yep. uh, until God... Um, saved us so yeah. uh, help us flesh that out for us mate well, which I mean the, the nature of these questions are brilliant and they show the importance of uh, this being something to, to apply our wisdom towards um, you need a lot of wisdom and you would not I don't think apply this verse lightly yeah, flippantly flippantly yeah. righto had a bad day with that person <laughs> we're done um, they didn't smile at me yeah you know, therefore um, and, and secondly you, you can't know their heart that's absolutely right. No one knows someone's heart except the person themselves or the Holy Spirit. Um, yep. Romans 8 points us in that direction. Um, but we can know, we, we can have some access to the person in terms of their um, engagement with the gospel. So I don't think this is saying spot someone from 500 metres away and make a call having never had a conversation with them. They look pretty hostile. They look a bit mean. <laughs> they look at me funny. Um, tough luck. I'm not sharing the gospel with you. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that it's once the gospel has been presented uh, and that if, if they persist in their hostility, that it's at that point that you might consider thinking about how to apply this verse. Right. Okay, so we... The, the first step is still to prayerfully share the gospel with everyone and anybody. Absolutely, that's the call. But, that, yeah. yeah, but based on their response, yes. that'll uh, help us work out kind of what the next step is. And the next step might be yes. don't pursue yeah. a gospel relationship. Or... Absolutely. I mean, Paul does this a number of times. Um, he will go into a town. I mean, he, he, we know he's the preacher to the Gentiles, but he will always go first to the Jews and what inevitably happens, three times you get it in the book of Acts, where Paul goes in and he presents the gospel to the Jews and they, they chase him out of town and various they, they reject him, they say, we will not listen. And Paul says things like, righto, your blood be on your own heads, we'll go to the Gentiles. Mm. And he leaves them at that point okay. and he does not persist with presenting them with the gospel because... And partly I take it that's because he knows his time is short, he is finite, he can only do so much at any one time. And here, on the, on the one hand, are people who are longing to hear the gospel and just want to know, good sir, what must I do to be saved? Um, as opposed to these other people who are saying, we don't want to hear a bite from you. And Paul yeah. says, well, at that point, if I've got one pearl, <laughs> I'm going to give it away. Who am I going to give it to? I'm going to give it to the person who's willing to listen. Yep. Um, not, and that, that happens. Jesus likewise says, um, if you go to a town and they won't listen to you, well, you've presented the gospel, you, you gave them an opportunity. But if they're, not, if they're persistent in not listening, well, then shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next town and present it there. That, that's a, a pattern that we see throughout the scriptures. Yeah. So sadly, I don't have the mind of Christ fully no. and I don't have the, no. the insights of Paul. But what, what I'm hearing you say is, um, this is going to take a lot of wisdom. We don't make the judgment call lightly. We yep. preach the gospel with everyone, yes. but then we've got to make a bit of a call yeah. to say, okay, where is uh, where is I most likely to be fruitful and yep. uh, how's the best use of my time? Yep. Um, it's okay at that point to be discerning. It seems to be, yeah. And, nice. and, and what I guess, it doesn't mean that you would avoid all hostile situations always. And it's interesting, Paul does this, in, in, there's a couple of times we get chased out of time. Is, is it Thessalonica, Thessalonica that he gets chased out of or is it Berea? I can't quite remember yeah. which one. One of those two there around the Acts 17 kind of mark. And he, um, 
he goes back into the town after being they think he's dead and uh, he kind of yeah. comes to and thinks right I'm going back in and a lot of people will say well isn't that Paul doing the opposite of Jesus here they've just chased him out of town why does he go back in I take it he isn't going back to the Jews and the Sanhedrin who chased him out of town in fact when he goes back in he rocks up there's a little household of believers there and he goes and spends time with them in the face of hostility yes but he's not going back to the rock throwers to say to them Uh, be saved he's going back to the Christians who are saying we've just heard the gospel we want to know more tell us more and Paul is willing to take a risk for their sake so it doesn't mean avoid hostile situations, sit comfortably, never take a risk for Christ. But in in your risk taking, try and work out where yeah where am I going to be most effective? Where does God seem to be opening a door? Um, and how can I how can I preach the gospel there? Well, mate, that leads us nicely to one question that came out of this. And um, uh, let, let, let me read this. Mm. Um, there has been a story in the news this week about an American man who was killed while evangelizing a remote uh, Sentinelese tribe that has been shown mm. that had already been shown signs of already shown signs of violence towards the guy. Mm. Um, should we see this sort of evangelism as bold and heroic, or an example of actually being undiscerning and throwing mm. pearls to pigs? Um, do you know much about this story, mate? Does, it, does this help us unpack this a little bit? I did see the story. Um, and yes, he, he got in. He had, a, he had a, a close shave the first time. Kind of had an arrow shot at him, but it hit a book in his pocket. I think it was his Bible, I think. Nice. Um, and he got away. And, and at that point, it was like, a, wow, what an amazing story. The second time he went back and they, they killed him. Um, to be honest, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and part of this is being careful because I'm not to judge. Um, that, that, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether he knew something about uh, the Sentinelese people and that there was a, a particular opportunity there that where there was a, someone crying out for the gospel. Uh, who knows? Uh, God, I don't know, God may have told him something. Yeah. You see stories in the New Testament, at least, of people having visions of a person saying, come and tell us about Jesus. Maybe he, yeah. maybe there was a good reason to go. Um, so I'm not sure, and, I'm, and I don't think it's my place to say whether he was doing the right thing or not. But if his point was just to be heroic... Um, I don't. Uh, the gospel doesn't call us just to straight heroism. Yeah. Uh, it, it calls us to make disciples um, yeah. and, and preach the gospel. Um, and so only he knows his heart and what, what he was doing there. Um, and so I'm not sure I'm quite in a position to make a call on, on what he did, um, apart to say that it's, it's not heroism for heroism's sake. It's um, trying to preach the gospel for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And what I've heard you say, which I think is really helpful, is it is possible to go kind of into a hostile situation or yeah. context, but yeah. actually to be preaching the gospel to those who aren't hostile. Maybe, yeah. maybe that was the situation. Yep. As that's you said, right. that's, that was the situation for Paul. Yep. Um, yep. But again, it takes a lot of wisdom. Yep. And, and I mean, personally, I mean, I can't think, I'm, I'm trying to think, I'm not sure if, if there's been any time in my life to this point where I think I've put this verse into practice, where, I, where I've had a necessity to put this into practice. Um, uh, John Stott's commentary says uh, he was writing his commentary on um, Sermon on the Mount towards the end of his life and uh, and he's, he notes in his commentary he could only think of two instances where where it had been of such a call where he had made a prayerful but determined decision to no longer wow. um, pursue okay. that person for the gospel. Now yeah. I take it John Stott preached to thousands and ministered yeah. to uh, you know so many people uh, if he can only think of two points where he made the call to say right that's it 
yeah. um, pearls to pigs at this point. I'm not. I'm not going any further. It shows the the sense in which you you want to be very cautious about it. We don't do this flippantly. So this, I mean, isn't very much the exception, not the rule in terms Absolutely. of evangelism. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. Hey, let, let's go to verses 7 to 11, which you said is kind of the, the starting to kind of draw the pieces together Yep. Um, before we get to the big conclusion. Yep. Um, now, there's the, the picture of a, a father in heaven who gives good gifts to those who ask him. I mean, that's, yep. a, that's just a lovely, Isn't it? lovely picture. Yep. Um, so the question comes, well, what exactly are these good gifts? What, what exactly are we asking, seeking, knocking for? Yeah, yep. I mean, if you read that without context um it's the ferrari verse isn't it you know whatever you want um, and there are a few verses like that scattered throughout um the new testament where it sounds like this kind of hey blank check ask for whatever you like um now god can give you whatever you like Um, he's powerful to be more than capable absolutely um all the ferraris plus all the wealth in the world are his uh, and yet, I, I don't think context-wise, that's that's what's in view here. Um, and again, if you if you keep in mind the, the context of the whole sermon, and particularly um, that little structural marker at the end of verse twelve, which which is this is the law and the prophets, which is kind of the bracket around the the whole section on how to keep the law and the prophets, how to be um, exceedingly righteous, more, more righteous than a, a, a Pharisee or a teacher of the, of the law. Um, and, and verse 12 is the summary which says doing to others what you would have them do for you um, there's a little therefore at the start of uh, verse 12 which sort of paints the um, the bit that comes before it the, uh, the the praying and the asking in light of this whole sort of wrap up of the teaching on righteousness so it seems to me the argument is God has set an enormously high bar for the disciple to live righteously uh, it's just um, so such a huge call on our lives yeah. and the issue can be that we feel uh, like we can't do it on our own totally. strength and that's exactly right yeah right good <laughs> you can't <laughs> um, and so what's the solution is it to give up no it's to turn to God and to ask him persistently nice. to do it in you nice. um, which makes sense given the, the context of the start of chapter 5, which is we are in the new age of the Spirit, the, 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 the age that Ezekiel and Jeremiah looked forward to when God's Word would be written on our hearts by God and when God would put in us a desire to obey, they were looking forward to that day and Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount, that day has come, God will change your heart, God will make you want to live this way, um, so ask, pray yes. persistently, keep asking, keep searching, keep knocking, asking God to change you from the inside out. And so the application I take it of these um, verses is a huge part of our prayer life needs to be directed towards asking God to um, teach us to live righteously and help us to live righteously in the same way that the Sermon on the Mount directs us to do. That's really helpful. Um, and it's perhaps not always the way I naturally pray is, is to pray for things like that. Yeah. Um, yep. And so that, that, that's helpful. And and maybe, you know, as we draw to a bit of a close of the Sermon on the Mount, one yes. of the great things you could do is just kind of perhaps just reread the three chapters, yes. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 at, yep. at some stage and, and the things that God has written or convicted you of, mm. bring those to him in prayer. And, and that's where the power and the strength is, isn't it? in prayer in the Holy Spirit working yeah. within us to change us mm. and I take it that's an exercise not to be just done once oh, sometimes yeah. I think there can be a discouragement which is like yeah I heard Mike on the podcast say read the Sermon on the Mountain and then pray for it but I'm still the same <laughs> why, why haven't I changed yes. um, 
the, the, again, the language here, the Holman actually gets it quite spot on here. Um, some of the other translations just say ask, seek, and knock um, as if it's a one-time event. But, but the, the, the tense of the, 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 the imperative there is, has this sense of um, ongoingness to it. So keep nice. asking, keep nice. searching, keep, um, yeah, keep on going with your prayer. So this is a, 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 a um, you know, it's like the parable of the persistent widow, you know, um, because of the persistence, God, um, yeah, God answers. And so be persistent. Fantastic, mate. Very helpful. Okay, that kind of wraps us up for the questions of this week. Again, yeah. we're just really thankful for all your questions, guys, because they're so good for us. They, they push us on, yeah. and um, your insights are great. And uh, so keep asking these questions. Sam, uh, we're, we're heading to the end of the Sermon on the Mount this Sunday. So yeah. we're picking up from 13 through to 29. Yep. Um, give us a bit of a teaser. Look, this is the conclusion, and what Jesus gives us is four... Uh, comparisons um, and each one is an either or and they're, you're either you're in or you're out you're either on the narrow road or to life or the wide road to destruction and they're very stark choices and I guess it's Jesus saying righto I've presented to you what discipleship looks like I've shown you what it really looks like to pick up your cross and follow me I've shown you the, the kind of life that I want you to live as my disciples and he's now Point, sort of pitching it to you are you in or are you out nice. and uh, there's no, essentially there's no middle ground no. It, it, it's not like look I'm kind of in I like to be in most of the time or when I'm with this group of people I'm in and when I'm outside when I'm with this group I'm sort of you know a bit hazy it's in or out and yeah one or the other and so uh, that that's where we're going it's um it's the, the, the landing point the so what of the Sermon on the Mount and uh, my hope is that we are in Terrific. So read ahead, folks. Come along on Sunday. Keep asking your questions. Keep prayerfully wrestling with God's Word. Sam, thanks for your help today, mate. You're welcome. And for the whole series. It's been terrific. That's it for the extras this week. Okay. See you guys on the weekend. Bye.